we're going to talk about what I'd like to call the gift of practical hospitality. But before we get started, let's go before the Lord. Father God, I just thank you, Lord Jesus, just for this, this precious time, Lord, with our family, Lord, here tonight, Lord. I thank you, Father, for each and every lady that is here tonight, Father. You know what we all came in with, Lord. Heavy hearts and burdens and troubles. And yet, Father, there is also rejoicing and victories, Lord Jesus. And Lord God, I pray for each lady here, Father, for the family that she represents, God, that you would cover them with your grace. And during this really difficult time, it's hard to believe it's been almost a year, I pray, Father, that your hand would be upon our loved ones and our the people that were around here, God. And Lord, we just know, God, that you have an answer. And again, it's always in your timing. And the waiting is always the hard part for us. But Lord, we wait one more day. You give us enough grace for one more day. And we thank you for today and for this time. And I pray, Father, you just uh, calm my heart and help me, Father, just to represent you. And I thank you, Father, for my, my beautiful family here, Jesus. They bless me in so many ways. I pray you cover them, Lord. Touch them at their deepest need tonight. And we just thank you, Father, for this time in your precious name. Amen. Okay. So I want to start with, hopefully each one of you have one of these cards. If you don't, please get one. Actually, get two, because then you can give one to somebody and invite them. But I, I have a bad habit. If you've ever seen any of my books or my Bible, it's, it's tore. I mean, it, the old saying about it's tore up from the floor up. It's t- my books and stuff are torn up because I like to mark them and tweak them and dog ear them and stuff. So I've already started graffitiing this one, and it already has, like, you know, forgiveness and truthfulness and hospitality and grace and love and salvation and mercy. Um, because to me, when I look at this girl, I, I don't know about you guys, I, I don't see me. I see, I mean, I'm, and there's girls here, I'm sure, that, are, that like to dress up, and, you know, I don't, I don't ever remember having a waist this tiny. But, um, I, you know, but I look at this, and I think, look at what she's carrying. And what I love is that you don't see a door, so that you don't see, is she coming in the house, or is she walking out of the house? Where, where is she? And I'd like to think that it's both. She's doing both. She's sharing in all the gifts that the Lord has given her. And... Um, as I prayed uh, for this study, the first, thing, the first thing I thought was, I'm one of the last people to talk about hospitality. I am such a tomboy, and I like getting in the dirt, and I'm a T-shirts and jeans and vans kind of a gal. But you know, hospitality isn't about frills. It's, I've come to learn really quickly. That I used to always think that you, know, you needed to have like all your china out and you know, not, a, not a dot of dust anywhere, and that's not it. Hospitality comes from your heart in the deepest parts of your heart. And um, I'm getting ahead of myself. It says, so each of you have a card with this year's subjects that we're covering. Um, I see this sweet lady with this teeny weeny waist carrying this huge pile of gifts. And she's making, and is she taking them home or is she taking them out? But I'd like to think that maybe it's a little of both because the gift of hospitality is such an important practice both inside and outside of our homes. So let's start with what hospitality is. I found... Tons and tons. I was telling one of the girls that I read, a, I read an article, and it was called Fierce Hospitality. That sounded kind of scary to me because, like, you know, you will eat at my house. <laughs> you know, so, and that's not, that's not what God wants. But, um, but anyway, but we should be proactive. We should be fierce about wanting to share the love and the hope 
and the things that God has given us, even if it's something as simple as a cup of tea. You know, um, when, I, when we were going to Rancho, my children were very small. And so, you know, you have to, like, micromanage, and, you know, you don't have money. As much as comes in goes right back out, if not more. But my, my girlfriend Cindy and I, our, our kids were about the same age, so she would go to Little Caesars and get two $5 pizzas, and I'd go to McDonald's and go to get the $1 big. So for 10 bucks, we got to go to the park. They got to run. We all got to eat. We threw a blanket on the floor. And the fellowship every once in a while was just so sweet for a $10 investment. And the kids are happy, and we're happy, and they're full of sugar, and they're running. Okay. But so what is hospitality? In the Greek... The uh, hospitality is called X-E-N-I-A. I think it's pronounced Xenia, and it means guest friendship. It's the generosity and the courtesy shown to those who are far from home and anticipating their needs. I found several definitions, uh, all of them a little different yet important within themselves. One of them says, hospitality is treating strangers and friends alike. It's welcoming one another into our lives, into our homes, and hospitality is a sacred duty. Hospitality is an interaction. It's the friendly and generous reception of visitors, guests, and strangers alike. Another one says, hospitality is living thoughtfully and generously toward others and to ensure that they feel welcome, included, and loved. Hospitality is a spiritual gift. It's given to us by the Holy Spirit and by God's grace alone, and it's to be used to serve others. Uh, from a book I, I read recently, it's called How One Invitation Can Change a Generation. Um, it says, hospitality, unlike entertaining, treats everyone as the guest of honor, other than grasping for the honor for yourself. And then one of my students gave me this book. It's called Women of Noble Character. And it says, um, the friendly reception and treatment of guests and strangers in a warm and generous way. Biblical hospitality adds that weave to honor and obey God by serving those around us with joy. So the point here is that hospitality is not about having the perfect home. It's not about, you know, what an amazing cook you are. What it is is it's about extending a hand in friendship to each and every one of God's children. So let's take a look at what Christian hospitality was to be during the time of the Old Testament. The time and the time of Christ uh, when his disciples traveled with the message of hope and eternal life. In the Old Testament, Christian hospitality was much greater, had a much greater need than the potential, and had, to, had the potential to be a great burden as well. For one thing, Christians were forced to flee persecution. Often this meant traveling with limited means. Walking long miles, long distances with very limited supplies was very common. These refugees relied on fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to share their homes, their food, as they passed from one town or region to another. But such hospitality could be risky. For one thing, the sharing, the sharing family may not have had much themselves. For another, sharing your home with a stranger could be dangerous if they weren't who they claimed to be. Even legitimate believers could possibly take advantage of fellow Christians' generosity beyond what was reasonable. The hospitable act of the communal meal possesses great symbolic significance. Such a, such a gesture of intimacy created a bond of friendship. A fellowship, excuse me. In the Old Testament, Israel is the guest and God is the host. In the Old Testament, it teach, uh, in the Old Testament teaching, it identifies the Isra Israelites as alienated people who are dependent on God's hospitality. 
Psalm 39.12 says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent in my tears, for I am a stranger to you, a sojourner as my fathers were. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus as the guest. On a literal level, we see Jesus' ministry on this earth had placed him in dependence on the hospitality of others. In Luke 9.58, it says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The point here is that still Peter reminds the readers and us that in 1 Peter 4.9, that we are supposed to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's how family loves one another. It's part of our purpose as God's self-apart people. We should see it as an unexpected part of fulfilling God's purpose for us here on earth. As we walk through this study together, there will be several short examples of what I'd like to call practical hospitality. So the first one is um, from Hebrews 13, 12, where it talks about not to, not to forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some have entertained strangers without knowing it. Um, for those of you who know a little bit about the way I was raised, I was not raised by my mother or my father. I was raised by my grandmother. And it wasn't until I was in college that I realized we were poor. You know, we had homemade tortillas every day. We had rice. We had beans. I had hot water in the tub and milk in the fridge. I, I thought that's what everybody had. I, I, you know, I had no idea that that's all we had. There was no extra. I had school shoes and I had play shoes and the two never crossed. But I, on Friday nights, and for those of you that are over 50, I'll admit to it, you know, on Friday nights when I was a kid, that was like our party night, me and grandma. And she would usually like, she'd, you know, make something to eat. And we'd sit out in the front. She used to have a sun porch. And if you don't know what a sun porch is, basically, it's like a screened-in porch where you can see the people, but they really can't see you. So that's where, like, all the ladies would be out talking about each other and stuff. Like, oh, look what she's wearing. But, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, we do it. Let's, why lie? Come on. But uh, on Friday nights, we would just hang out, just watch people, you know. And then at 10 o'clock, we would go inside and watch the Twilight Zone. And she would always get scared, so I always had to sleep with her. But it was kind of like our, our, like the thing, like our thing on Friday nights. That's what we did. It was like our whoop time, you know. But one night, you know, um, I was very young. I was maybe nine years, eight, nine years old. This man came to the, to the front, and my grandmother's house was, was up. You had to walk about 20 steps to get to the top of her house. And this man came, and he was very humble. He was very tattered. And um, my grandmother went to go talk to him, and then she brought him up. And he was homeless. He had nothing. He had nothing. So she had a washroom. Not a, not a garage, but like a room where we had those big metal basins and stuff. And I don't want to say she was a hoarder, but my grandmother didn't throw anything away. So she told him, go in here. And she brought him a towel and, and soap and stuff. And she said, wash up. I'll be back. So she went down to the, to the cellar, and she brought him clothes and stuff. And she made him a lunch, and he sat with us on the porch for a little while. And through this whole time, I was just, like, watching her, like, what do you, what do you do? You don't even know this guy. Who is this, you know? But for that moment, you know, I got to see hospitality alive and well on my front yard, in my front porch. You know, she loved a stranger. She poured into a stranger. She fed a stranger. She gave him a couple of hours to rest. She made him a cup of coffee. She made him some sandwiches to take. And I remember afterwards asking her, like, why did you do that? And she said, you know, Miha, you never know. She goes, someday that, that could be us. And you would hope that someone would show you the same kindness. 
And I mean, that was more than 50 years ago. And that, that's like it just happened last Friday. I mean, it's so vivid in my mind. You know, hospitality in action. It doesn't have to be fancy. It could be a bologna sandwich and a cup of coffee. But it was beautiful. And she exampled it. And even though we had nothing in my eyes at the time, she gave this guy everything. She gave him warmth and acceptance. And he felt comforted. And she fed his belly. And she told him, anytime you need food, you come back. Never saw him again. And as I became a believer, you know, you kind of scratch your head like, I wonder, I wonder if the Lord sent that guy to, to show me, like, see, I'm, I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready to know. But such a blessing. She, yeah, she was such a blessing. Not perfect, not by a long shot. But she set, she set the bar pretty high. Uh, anyway. So, but she chose to live a deliberate life of hospitality, deliberate life of, of giving. So tonight we'll read through several scriptures, both in the Old Testament and in the New, and explore deeper what practical hospitality is. So would you please join me as we open the word, and we turn to the book of Second Kings chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 8 to 13 together. So if you're not there yet, I'll wait for you. Okay. So in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 to 3, it's 8 to 13, excuse me, it starts with, <clears throat> excuse me, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by that would turn, he would, he would turn in there and eat some food. Now she said to her husband, look, now I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Thus he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shumanite woman. And when he called to her, she she stood before him and he and she and he said to and he said to him say now to her look you have been concerned for us with all this care what can i do for you do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army and she answered i dwell among my own people so we'll stop right there so this beautiful story about this this woman called the shunammite woman um there's just so many great lessons we could we could dedicate a whole study about just the character of this lady. But uh, just some points just to go over it, and I want to make sure I'm paying attention to the time, too. Uh, great lessons we can learn from this amazing woman, but we'll cover just a few. Number one, she was prominent. <clears throat> she was a woman of both influence and affluence. She was a prominent woman. And in Second Kings 4.13, when Elisha offers to talk to the people in high positions on her behalf, she simply says, I live among my own people. And in other words, what that means is that these are people she can access if she wants. We, we must choose, choose to be godly women of influence and affluence. It makes you a woman with a striking difference. When I first read that, where she said, you know, I dwell among my own people, at first I, I thought, like, she sounds kind of snotty. But you know what? She knew who she was. She knew who she, she had people that she could depend on, that depended on her. And, 
you know, it, it says a lot. You know what I mean? I mean, don't we all have like a go-to person in our lives? If you don't, let's pray for that person before you leave tonight, that God has a go-to person that you know you can depend on, especially spiritually. Um, second, she showed hospitality. She was accommodating. These verses that we just read together record that this woman persuaded the man of God to eat bread. Hospitality should be one of the attributes for, of every virtuous woman. As a, wom- as a woman, learn to accommodate people. Just simple courtesies, such as offering a cup of tea or a cold glass of water or whatever you can afford is not a bad idea at all. Next, she was discerning. She was spiritually sensitive enough to discern that Elisha was not just any man. Women are spiritual watchmen over their homes, but only a woman with a discerning spirit can watch well over her home and her family. Next, she was a good counselor. Throughout the history of the Bible, we see several women who gave good counsel and those, unfortunately, who gave bad counsel. The first helped the the man to fulfill God's will, while the latter led him into destruction. But the Shunammite woman only gave godly counsel to her husband. Only a woman full of God's word of wisdom can give, both, can give godly counsel to her husband. Next, she knows God. In the story of the Shunammite woman, we see again that she knows God personally. She doesn't just reference about God or talk about God. And she honors the man of God and his servant by being an example of godly hospitality. We must all seek to be full of the knowledge of God daily and serve him with all of our heart. Next, she's a woman of faith, and she's fearless. We see in her example that if you have faith in God, you will not exhibit fear. We see later in the story, and you can read it on your own. I, I'm not going to go there, but keep, it, please take the time to read the rest of that, just that one chapter. It's really, really great. Um, that this woman is older, she's childless, and for those of you that remember in the Old Testament days, when a woman was without children, it was a shame. It was a shameful thing. And when you're older, you know, the, the, the possibility of that happening are dwindling down really quick. Um, so where was I? I lost. I got lost. I'm sorry. Um, she's older. She was childless. And she was blessed. But she was blessed with a son the following year. But when her child was older, he became ill and he died. And she knew that the only help, that her only help couldn't come except from God alone. She believed that the same God who gave her this child was capable of bringing him back to life. So she ran to the man of God, Elisha, and after much prayer, her child was revived. As women, we need to build our faith in God. Life will throw different things at you, but it's your faith in God that is the only thing that will keep you fearless. God never fails. Let me say that again. God never fails. Those who believe him, never, never. He didn't faith the Shunammite woman, and he won't fail you. You think this woman was not pained by losing her child? You think she lost the emotion of a mother? No, she didn't. She was a mom. 2 Kings 4.27 reveals her heart was troubled as a mother, but she held on to her faith in God, and only your faith in God can save you and hold you in times of troubles. Next thing is she was appreciative. We must be open to learn and appreciate God and to learn and appreciate other people. In 2 Kings 4.37, the Shunammite woman fell at the feet of Elisha, appreciating him, but more importantly, appreciating the healing hand of our mighty God, our great healer and great physician. 
She understands deep in her heart that this gift of a son later in her life was truly a gift from God and God alone. She has the faith to accept that if God chose to bring her son back to life, what could she do? She had no power within herself. That's not going to change either way, whatever God decided, that he is forever God. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 tells us, now there, now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. We would all do well to learn, embrace, and apply the Shunammite woman's secret to her example of hospitality and example of contentment. First, we should deliberately take our eyes off ourselves and look up to God and out to others. Secondly, realize that our stuff is a resource to be used for God's glory and that that stuff will never make us happy all on its own. We need to choose to be fearless and share what the Lord has blessed you with so that you can bless others. A fancy meal is really nice, but not always necessary. And there's a simple beauty in a cup of coffee and some cookies. It should always come from the heart and a deep appreciation for what the Lord has done in our life. In the book of Luke, chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, it says, Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the lame, and the blind. I don't know about you, but I know that sounds like me. And you will be blessed because you, they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And here is the main point. We need to follow Christ's example. We need to take a lowly position. We need to be willing to be the servant of all. Give all honor and praise to God and to God alone. In Luke chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 6. Actually, you know what? Can we read that together? Could you go to the book of Luke chapter 13 with me? Hang a big right. Chapter 13. That can't be right. I think it's 14. You know what? I think I wrote down the wrong verse. But I'm sorry, but basically it's the verse in, in Luke that talks about when when the Lord was invited to a feast and to a meal and all the apostles are talking about you know themselves usually and as they're going on and bickering what is the lord doing he decides to walk away and he takes the lowly position the lowliest position of the servants he grabs a towel and he gets a basin and he washes the disciples feet and for us that's the example that god wants us to follow he wants us to not be afraid to, to, to be a servant. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I, I don't know about you guys, but I love to do things that nobody knows it's me that did it. Does that make sense? I, to me, it's, it's almost like, 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 that was so cool. You know, oh, that blessed her heart. That's so nice. You know, to me, it's just such a, 
It's such a beautiful thing. And just like the basin that you see here with the pitcher and the basin and the, and the towel, the, Christ is the example that we're all supposed to follow. No matter what, it's his example. You know, he took the lowest position. When, when you were a slave, the lowest position was when people walked in, you got on your knees and you wiped the dirt and the horse doo-doo and all the other stuff that was on the road. You wiped that off before they walked into the house. That was the lowest of the, of the slave's job. And Jesus willfully did that, willfully. You know, and that's the example that he's called us to follow. It's Christ's example alone that, we sh- that should guide us when we practice hospitality. Before we close, there are just a few more examples of practical hospitality. Um, recently, one of, the, one of the ones that I didn't even realize that, what it was. Uh, recently, we took our grandkids to one of those pumpkin patches. And it was fun because they get to run finally and be free and stuff. And you always buy more pumpkins that you need. You know that. And so they bought like the, one gigantic one, like eight little tiny ones. And um, so I was like, what am I going to do with all of this? Well, we have a neighbor right across the street from us that just had a brand new baby. They never leave their house. And my neighbor next door, she's been widowed for about 10 years, and she hardly ever leaves her house. So we started leaving some on her porch. And it was one of those kind of moments, you know. So one day I was out with the dog and, and with my dogs, and, and she's like, was, was that you? I go, me? What? What are you talking about? And she's like, was that you? And I said, Oh, you mean the pumpkins? And I said, yeah, we took the kids. And she's like, that just blessed my heart. And she goes, I don't really celebrate the holidays anymore. A little $3 pumpkin that blessed somebody that's alone, that doesn't feel a part of celebrating anything, you know? Um, and I thought, wow, I just, not that I just wanted to get rid of them, but it was like, I didn't need 10, you know? But, you know, she got blessed. She got blessed because the Lord put her on her heart to leave, to leave some on her porch. Um, for those of you that still leave, um, send notes, I love getting a note in the mail. I mean, email, like, like Kathy said earlier today, getting all these notes, ding, 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 it, it can be very overwhelming with texts. It can be. But, you know, getting a card in the mail, I mean, I must have four or five of those corrugated boxes with the lid full. I don't throw my cards away because they just, they just mean so much to me. But sending a neighbor or maybe an old friend um, a, a, a note, you know, I had a, a friend I served with for many years and she just is kind of gone. She still lives in the same house because I sent her a card about a month or two ago. Um, she hasn't responded, but she knows I'm praying for her. She knows that Jesus loves her, and she knows that I miss her, and I'd love to meet her for coffee or something. But, you know, something as simple as a little note. You know, you could buy a whole pack of them at the Dollar Tree for, for a dollar. You know, I mean, you can do that. It's, and just bless it for a stamp. Snail mail still works, you know. Um, leave a note for your neighbor. Slip it in their mailbox or in their door. And let them know that you're thinking of them, that you hadn't seen them in a while. Um, leave a, leave a model of water for your male man or your male lady. Um, the Lord put that on my heart a couple of years for ours because they work so hard. And I don't know about your male people, but mine is this itty bitty little Mexican lady. And she wears like this big old hat and I mean, (laughs) and they carry all that stuff. And I mean, they're right now they're doing 12, 15 hour shifts and she's a single mom. And I mean, it was just to keep her cool, you know, not thinking that it was any that big a deal. And about a year ago, she came to church here and accepted the Lord. 
you know, I mean, a bottle of water in Jesus' name, a bottle of water, you know. Um, we, we recently, uh, well, not recently, but when the whole COVID thing, at work we had opportunity to buy, like, those disposable masks in bulk, you know, the paper ones that make your nose itchy. So I bought, like, 300 of them. And so when I walked my dogs, I would carry some in, with me. And if I'd ask my neighbors, you know, I, you know, do you guys need anything? And I'd put them in a Ziploc bag and drop them off. And one of my neighbors, um, she's by another one by herself, um, always like, hey, neighbor, hey, neighbor, even if you don't know the name, hey, neighbor. Eventually, hopefully, they'll be friendly and you'll get to know their name. But, you know, we, we would talk from time to time. And um, it was such a blessing because about a week ago, I was, again, I was early in the morning, I was walking my dogs. And she's turning the corner and she stops. And I could tell she was upset. And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, no, I, my daughter is very upset because she's gone through a divorce and her 16-year-old son just became a father and nobody knew. And so because the mother got upset, he took off. So he's man enough to be an adult, but he's still a young boy and he's a runaway. But, you know, and then all those things. And her heart was, as a mother, as a grandmother, was just broken. And, you know, when the, I, I'm sure if you're open to God's leading He's done those moments in your life where you almost feel like, like, come on. I, I could almost feel him saying, you know, pray with her. Pray with her right now. So right there in the, on Cyprus, <laughs> I was like, Phyllis, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you right now? And, and she's like, please. And so right there, we just, we had church. It was a blessing. And I told her, I said, you know, I'm here for you. You know, I'm, I'm your neighbor, but you know where I live. Drop me. If you need me to call you, leave me your number. I'll call you, you know. In Jesus' name, be available, be open. You'd be surprised how many people in our neighborhood are hurting. They're empty, they're lonely, they're, a lot of them are backslidden. I came to find out a neighbor that I thought was one of the grouchiest people on the planet. He used to be like an like a on-fire believer. I don't know what happened, but I'm going to keep working on that, and I'll, I'll let you know later. Let's <laughs> see uh, it could be something as simple as making a double batch of cookies. The weather's getting cold. I've got a real simple recipe for sugar cookies and chocolate chip. You want them? I'll bring them on Sunday. I'll make you some copies. Easy. Make it double whatever it says, and you've got enough to keep and enough to share. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's a blessing. You know? And I don't know about you, but I love homemade stuff. I think homemade gifts and homemade notes are just like so, so awesome. Um, you know, but making some and sharing it with a neighbor, you know. Um, Kenny, my husband, Kenny, who he, sometimes he comes up with some goofy ideas, but this was a great one. Um, my husband has always had a heart for the homeless. You know, he always has. And, uh, for years when he had his outreach band, they would go to Skid Row like every month and do a concert and they'd have a meal and stuff. And, um, but he feels weird about giving people cash. So he decided what, you know, how sometimes when you're, well, we're still both working, but sometimes in the month you get like an extra week. So with that extra week, he would buy, like, cards for, like, um, McDonald's and Burger King and Taco Bell. And, and he'd put them in his, tr- in his glove compartment. So if he saw somebody saying, I'm homeless, he'd just roll down his window and say, here, man, here's, here's your dinner. And so, you know, to me, that was, like, such a great idea, just pouring into a stranger in Jesus' name, just pouring into them. I need to check my glove. I think mine's empty now. <laughs> but what a blessing. But, you know, sharing with a homeless person, you know, we don't know their history. We don't know what's going on. But we know that we all get hungry. We all want a, a comforting word from somebody. Uh, 
And like I said, if you, you know, if you go to walk, for walks like I do, you know, wave hi to your neighbor, even if they don't wave hi back. You know, I have, we have a neighbor, his name's Jack, and he's just like a crab apple. He's just like, he's like Walter. You know who Walter is, that puppet? Get out of my house. Go away. Get off my lawn. He's one of those. And um, when I first adopted my, sec- my second dog, he was really skinny. And when we were walking, he's like, man, that dog could use a couple of sandwiches. And a part of me was like, shut up. You know, but I just smile like, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. And now he's bulked up. You know, my girl's a little chubster, so he's put some weight on him too. And now it's like, hey, Jack, how's the garden? Hey, Jack. And he's got a green thumb. So we get like these killer avocados and he has peaches and he has lemons. And so it's like, and now it's like, hey, neighbor. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? How you doing? New shoes? Yeah, new shoes look nice. So, okay, we don't hang out at each other's house, but guess what? We made a connection. And I'm praying for the day when we get a chance to share with them. Um, you know, don't be afraid if, if the Lord's brought single people into your lives, whether it's a, a young girl or a single mom or a widow, don't be afraid to invite her over for a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be. Or if, if it's like one of my students, they're, they're all about the Starbucks. You can meet there and sit outside. It's not that big a deal, you know. How much is a cup of coffee? In Jesus' name. It's so simple. You know, then you'll need another walk because you're going to be all, you know, afterwards. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I can't handle that coffee. That coffee is like crazy. Okay. And for this, for us here at our church, you know, we, we are so blessed. And I, I don't want to cry, but we are so blessed here. We have such a loving church, such a loving church. And um, whenever you see like a new person, I'm not joking. You can almost count to like 10 and someone's like, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm Lisa. Hey, I'm Kathy. Hey, I'm Eva. How are you? Welcome. Get, get, what's your name? Can I show you, you know, can I show you around? You have kids? Great. Just let them know they are welcome here. This is our home. We love it here. We love to serve here. These are God's people. Welcome to the community. Be a part of, be welcoming. Show them where the bathrooms are. You'd be surprised. It's like a lot of times, by the time they walk in, it's like, okay, where, where are they? I got to go, you know? Um, but we, we are just very, very blessed to, to have a very warm, loving church here, you know? And you get to be a part to help them feel welcome, to feel accepted. And isn't that something that we all want? You know, we need, to be, we need the reminders that hospitality is a spiritual gift given by the Holy Spirit. And by God's grace alone, it's to be used to serve others joyfully. Um, I, I listen to, I, I don't know if you ever listen to Focus on the Family. I've listened to Focus on the Family for years, not as consistently as I used to when my children were small. But I heard something really sweet the other day. They had this group of ladies called Mops. Have you ever heard of them? There's mothers of preschool children. And this, this one lady was talking and she was saying, you know, I have a bachelor's degree from Columbia. I have a master's degree from Stanford. You know, and I've got these two kids, and they're making me crazy. And, you know, my other one doesn't want to sit behind the computer. And she's going on and on and on. And she's like, and I asked the Lord, show me. Show me that you're here. Show me. And so she took her kids to the park to go run. And there was this um, there was this other little mommy. So the kids are all playing together. And she goes, and I'm watching the kids. And when her kid goes over to introduce himself to the other ones, he looks at him and he goes, hi, I'm Jeremy. You want to be my friend? And aren't we like that? That's what we want to do. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, Carmel, will you, will you be my friend? 
You know, Lily, will you be my friend? We don't, we don't know how to say that, but that's what we mean. And if we know that in the body of Christ, how much more of this lost world isn't willing to, to say that? We, we need each other. We do. You know, it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be elaborate. Pretty is nice. I love, I have a friend that fellowships at Calvary uh, Rancho, and she's all about the china and the linens, and she makes her own coddled cream, and she does this whole tea. tea. I love going. It's like, what can I bring? But, you know, I, I praise God for her. I do. But I'm T-shirts and jeans, you know. But you're welcome in my house. Like I told Kathy, I've got dogs. I feed the birds. I feed the squirrels. You know, I have hardwood floors. You know, you'll find that you, it's okay to put your, your feet on my couch. You know, you can help yourself in my fridge. You know, you'll find yourself no matter what. You'll find fur on the floor. But you'll find that you're welcome in my door anytime. And that same goes for any of you. You're welcome in my house anytime. I'm just down the road. Okay. So as we slow down and close down here, um, needless to say, this has been a really, really difficult year. The stress levels are very high. The COVID numbers are up again. And fear of another lockdown, the inability to gather together, visit friends or relatives, um, is, 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 is with us now. So for those of you that are just tired of being tired, discouraged, or in real need of more faith, be encouraged that God is still in our midst, and he still has a work for each of us even in the midst of all this chaos we're experiencing right now. Um, I'm going to read this part because just for time's sake. But it, it says here, um, in 2 Kings 4.6, uh, just before the study about the Shunammite woman, there's a story, again, about Elisha and another woman. And uh, in regards to needing the encouragement tonight, I'm going to just go over it real quick, quickly with you. It says, and it came to pass that when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me yet another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stayed. And what this meant was that this lady struck oil, literally. She was, she was in serious debt, and with her two sons about to be carried off into slavery, she cried out to Elisha the prophet. And Elisha asked her what, he had, what she had, and all she had was just a little bit of oil. She had nothing else. So he told her, gather all your vessels that you can find, and let's start pouring So the lady did just that, and a miracle took place, because as long as she kept pouring, the oil kept flowing. And oil, of course, is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. The illustration here is an obvious one. The Lord will continue to flow through you as long as you are giving out to others. Maybe the Holy Spirit isn't flowing through your life like you remember it used to. Could it be because there's no empty vessel in your house or in your life? Could it be because you haven't said, yes, I'm determined to minister to that person at work, or I'm going to pour out my life for that person or for my family? I'm going to witness radically. I'm going to minister consistently. We need to be like this woman. We need to gather around your empty vessels, empty people in need of a touch from the Lord. And if you do, the Holy Spirit will fill you and flow from you perpetually. And you too will strike oil. So be encouraged, my friends. Be open to God's guidance. Be willing to step out in faith and share practical hospitality. And be amazed at what he can do through you 
and be amazed what he can do through a broken vessel like you and like me because he alone is able. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just pray, Father God, for my family here. I thank you for these precious ladies, Father. I pray to God you just cover each and every one of them, Father, just by your grace and with your hand, Father. I thank you, Father, for the work that you've done in their lives already, and I pray, Father, for the work you're going to do in, our, in their lives, Father. Just bless them and keep them, and let them not be discouraged, Father, especially during this season, Father. And, Lord, I know, God, that you work all things for the good. I trust you. I believe your word, God. And I pray, Father, that you would give us a hunger more and more for your word. And when those opportunities come, Father, help us to not be afraid, but help us to to know that you go before us. You walk beside us. Sometimes you have to even push us a little bit, Lord, but I thank you for your faithfulness, God. And Lord, I just, I love you, and I thank you for the precious gift of my salvation that even you, that use me, Lord, is, it's humbling, but I thank you. And I thank you, Father, for this time. I pray for all the needs here, Father. You know what they are. Show these women, Father, how much you love them. Hold them close. Bind them up in your cords of love is my prayer. And I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus. And I just, um, you know all the special needs here, Father. I pray, Lord, you just cover these ladies, Lord. And if they need prayer, Lord, I pray that no one would leave, Lord, without letting somebody pray for them. Thank you and praise you, God, together, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.